as Halloween approaches, you have to prepare yourself for what might happen. Roar and sprinkle. It's a special time of year, and Dunkin' Donuts is dressing up their donuts for the occasion. And here's the werewolf. So come to Dunkin' Donuts and get into the spirit of Halloween. We'd like some Halloween donuts, please. Oh, of course. <laughs> Welcome to the Happy Halloween Podcast. My name is Tony, and I am your host, and this is your home for all things Halloween. I hope everyone is having a good new year so far. Mine's off to a pretty decent start. And how awesome is it that the first episode of this year falls on a Friday the 13th? Cheers to you, Jason Voorhees, wherever you are. We're going to start this episode off with a new segment, and for that, I need help from Drac. Hey Drac, can you come in here please? Yes. Are you ready for the new segment? I sure am. Well, take it away. Can I get the drum roll please? 291 days until Halloween. 291 days. Be here before you know it. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you later. Okay, yes. And don't forget to order me some new blood. Him and that blood, I swear. I'll never be able to keep enough of it around here. First up, it is our history of Halloween. We last left off in the World War II era. As you can imagine, Halloween was a heavily homemade holiday. The majority of costumes at the time were made from hand-me-down clothes at the hands of creative mothers with sewing skills, paper mache masks, and or creative uses of mom's makeup. It was at this time that Halloween became a community event with different families having house parties, community centers, and social clubs hosted trick-or-treat activities. There were parades, and movie theaters would show horror movies while the attendees were encouraged to come in costume. When most people think about Halloween, they think of all the sugary candy that gets passed out. Unfortunately, during the war, one of the first things to be rationed was sugar. Because of this, ration-friendly recipes began to circulate, and so began the traditions of popcorn balls, donuts, spiced cookies, and hot cider. Which is what I drink every time I record. This era was great for decorations as well. The die-cut paper decorations like those made by Beistel were extremely popular at the time. 
Next month, we'll jump ahead and check out the 50s and 60s. So for our main topic today, we're going to talk about the origins of the blow mold decoration. I'm not going to lie, this description is straight from Wikipedia. Blow molding is a manufacturing process for forming hollow plastic parts. It is also used for forming glass bottles in other hollow shapes. In general, there are three main types of blow molding. Extrusion blow molding, injection blow molding, and injection stretch blow molding. The blow molding process begins with softening plastic by heating a preform or parison. The parison is a tube-like piece of plastic with a hole in one end through which compressed air can enter. The plastic workpiece is then clamped into a mold and air is blown into it. The air pressure inflates the plastic which conforms to the mold. Once the plastic is cooled and hardened, the mold opens and the part is ejected. Water channels within the mold assist in the cooling. So even though the process was invented by Enoch Ferngren and William Kapitke in 1938 and sold to Hartford Empire Company, the decorations didn't become super popular until the late 1950s. Enter artist Don Featherstone. Working for the Union Company, he was asked to design different 3D animals for the blow mold process. After designing a water can, a boy with a dog, and a duck, he was asked to design a flamingo. Capitalizing on the popularity of pink in the late 1950s, the iconic pink flamingo was born in 1958. The mid-60s saw the first Halloween blow molds, but I bet they aren't what you're picturing. The first Halloween items made with the blow mold process were the now ubiquitous jack-o'-lantern trick-or-treating buckets. If you haven't dunked your head down in one of these to dig out your favorite candy, then you haven't truly experienced Halloween. Shortly after this, you began to see outdoor decorations such as jack-o'-lanterns, haunted houses, and ghosts, among many others. The popularity of blow molds thrived until around the mid to late 80s, but fortunately in the past few years they have begun to make a comeback. I love blow molds so much that I had my favorite ghost holding a jack-o'-lantern tattooed on me. Nowadays, there are more than a handful of companies that make blow molds and a plethora of designs. But back in the heyday of the blow mold fad, there were only a few companies and a few dozen designs. So for today's Frightful Five, I'm going to tell you about my five favorite blow mold design. Number. Five. Let's start with the original. One of the first designs from the Empire Company was a jack-o'-lantern perched on a haystack. What I love about this one is the simplicity. Nothing but orange and black with basic Halloween icons. Number four. The only entry from the Union Company in this list was designed by the Grand Poobah Blow Molds himself, Don Featherstone. This orange and black witch astride her broom the jack-o'-lantern screams vintage Halloween. Number three. Seeing how much I love classic horror movies, it's only natural that one of my favorite blow mold designs is the larger than average for its time, Frankenstein's Monster, made by the Empire Company. Standing at three feet tall, this gruesome fella has his hands raised, ready to grab his next victim. 
Number two. The one that got it all started. I've always been a huge fan of the Jack Lantern Pale. Originally designed by the Empire Company, this idea has been vamped on ad nauseum, with everything from witches and ghosts to superheroes and cartoon characters. Even McDonald's famously got in on the game. Number one. My absolute favorite design is the one I have indelibly inked into my skin. Made by the General Company, this jaunty ghost looks like he's on the run after boosting a jack lantern off somebody's porch. Its circular mouth makes you feel like you caught him in the act. Let's hear from our playlist master, Bob Baker. Hey, thanks, Tony. After the last show, it seems a perfect time to suggest a song from my 2014 compilation because it features references to the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas. This episode's Halloween Minute song is Blink-182's I Miss You. Although Blink-182 is a well-known American skate punk band, you don't often hear this song played at Halloween. But you really should. I first heard it when I was camping. Another excellent fall activity. We do an annual outing of dads and sons. Picture a tent outside in the brisk fall weather, hooting owls in the trees, and telling scary stories around a big, roaring fire. Nothing will get you more in the Halloween mood than sleeping out in the dark. I Miss You is also a good way to raise your inner spirits. It features an electric bass, a cello, and a drum loop. The song is a bit of a departure from Blink-182's usual upbeat, humorous style. It has a more somber theme and a haunting, slower pace. The song includes lines like, We can live like Jack and Sally, and we'll have Halloween on Christmas. Plus, appropriately creepy references like Angel from My Nightmare, the shadow in the background of the morgue, and spiders catching things and eating their insides. You know, even the song's video is spooky, with the band playing at a haunted mansion with ghosts circling all around. Make this song part of your Halloween rotation. It is well worth a listen. Happy Halloween! Spooks and Creeps, now it's time for some news. First up, Distortions Unlimited has announced its second Halloween prop for 2023. This six-foot-tall pumpkin witch looks pretty amazing. 
Thanks to the armature inside the foam and latex, her arms will be poseable. The hand-painted, highly detailed sculpt looks very lifelike and spooky. Check out the show notes for a link to a video showing her off. This witchy babe will set you back $524. In Halloween-adjacent news, this April the horror-slash-comedy movie Renfield will be released. Yes, that Renfield. Set in modern times, Nicholas Halt plays the errand-running daywalker to Nicholas Cage's Dracula. You heard that right. Nicholas Cage is going to be Dracula. Honestly, folks, I'm not sure how I feel about this. The trailer looks good, but I still have my reservations. You can make up your own mind and tell me what you think. The link to the trailer will be in the show notes. In other Halloween-adjacent news, the new Scream sequel is going to take place in New York. All I can say is we saw what happened when Jason tried to take Manhattan. And unfortunately, that's all the news for now. We can't really expect much in the dead of winter. So let's listen to some music. First up is Night of the Vampire by Sister Midnight. Tsunami bomb with Dead Man's Party. Sinister Purpose by the Hudson City Rats. 
and creeps that's going to do it for this episode if you enjoy listening to the podcast please take a moment to head on over to spotify or itunes aka apple podcasts leave me a rating or review if you do please shoot me an email with a screenshot i'm sending halloween snap bracelets to everybody that gives a review if you have any comments or suggestions feel free to email me at the happy halloween pod at gmail.com Check me out on socials at the Happy Halloween Pod on Instagram. You can also find me at the Happy Halloween Pod on TikTok. I'm going to try to start posting some more videos there soon. If you're feeling generous and you want to help Drac get some more riboflavin flavored, non carbonated, polyunsaturated blood, you can head on over to ko fi slash the Happy Halloween Podcast and donate. And lastly, I have a new place for you Etsy. You can check me out over there, the Happy Halloween Pod. I've got three shirt designs up right now with a few more to come soon. So if you want to go over and check that out, that would mean a lot to me. I sure do appreciate y'all listening. And until next time, Happy Halloween!